live and underway here on ESPN Plus alongside Hercules Gomez, this time live and in living color. You're here. I'm Sebi Salazar. Episode 299. We had to do something special. 299? Yeah, we almost made it. Can you believe we've been on air that long? There have been some other shows with bigger personalities. Oh, you're thinking there's bigger personalities than us? Don't don't sell us short. Yeah, that's true. I didn't say TV person. I said personality. It is impressive. Uh, 299. 300 will be live in San Diego ahead of the NWSL championship game on Thursday. You won't be there, though, unfortunately. Where are you going to be? Miami. Ooh, all right. Big timer. Uh, ESPN Deportes 20th anniversary. Wow. So we're doing and a special show that your boy's got to be a part of. Listen, if there's one person that ESPN Deportes absolutely cannot run without, it's you, man. Wow. I see you. I see you on TV. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? <laughs> Bob? If the, if the bosses are watching, they would be uh, do well to take note of that. All right, so lots to get to in this edition of the show. Jeff Kasuf is going to join us, Herc, in just a little bit. Yes, we will be talking NWSL playoffs, but also the huge breaking news out of the weekend. Uh, Emma Hayes looks very close to the U.S. women's national team managerial job. We'll also have part two of our interview with Brendan Aronson. He got to play against his brother in the Bundesliga uh, this week, and uh, that's right, Paxton Aronson and Brendan going head-to-head as mm. Union Berlin and Eintracht Frankfurt did battle. Plus, we got the latest on the MLS playoffs, and there's just one match day left, Herc, in the regular season in Liga MX. Liga is looming south of the border. But let's start this show in Europe, in the Premier League, in fact, where Nottingham Forest, Herc, won for the first time since September 2nd as they beat Aston Villa 2-0 on Sunday. The bad news is they did so without the services of Matt Turner. The U.S. number one on the bench. He was dropped in favor of Odysseus Vlakadimus, the 29-year-old Greek international who was signed in September. Before that, Turner had started the first 10 games of the Premier League season for Nottingham Forest. Turk, what do we think here? Calm or alarm on Matt Turner's benching? Oh, look at the sound effects. All right. From a club perspective, it's obviously alarm. Mm-hmm. It's alarm. And I have to give you credit. You've actually been mentioning mm-hmm. this is the possibility. This You've actually said this would happen. As soon as Nottingham Forest went out and signed Vlacodemus. What was it? 14, 15 million? The same? I don't like think that? it was. I think it was like 10 or 12, but it was about the same, same they spent Turner. on Turner. And the timing of it. They did it at the almost very end of the transfer window. You thought, all right, they're looking for at least competition if not somebody to take the job. And it wasn't a situation where it's a younger goalkeeper because no. Matt Turner's 29 years old. They're no. both 29 years old. Yeah, it's a very established guy. Vlacodemus has played Champions League knockout football. He's there a Greek go. international. He's almost 30. He's, he's not coming to Nottingham Forest to sit on the bench. Here's the issue that. that I have with Steve Cooper and what mm-hmm. he's... Steve Cooper's the head coach of Nottingham yep. Forest. Is a week ago when he gave up that <laughs> very bad air yep. to Liverpool and Mo Salah puts the ball into an empty net... Uh, he backed Turner. Mm-hmm. He said, and I will repeat, I was, uh, Matt came in, held his hands up, said, that's my mistake, blah, 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 as coaches do. We don't want to isolate people is what he says. We want to bring them together because everyone is going to make mistakes. He's trained brilliantly. He will keep going for us. He will bounce back from this mistake. Fast forward, and he says, <laughs> listen, I spoke to Matt. Yep. He understands. We're going with Lacademus, et cetera, et cetera, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. There are also some stuff we want to work with him. What? Now we got a laundry list of complaints about the What? Game. Okay. What, what changed? What changed? What do you want to work with a 29-year-old goalkeeper who, if you're 29 years old and you're playing professional football, mm-hmm. you're pretty much who you are. Mm-hmm. There's very little change that's going to come with it. So you know exactly what you get with Matt Turner. Between the pipes, under the sticks, a very good shot stopper. He is that type of player. But if you want anybody else trying to play out of the back, if you want anybody else trying to do anything differently as a goalkeeper or modern goalkeeper, that's not Matt Turner, and that's okay because guess what? You're in a relegation battle. You're not going to be playing out of the back. You're not going to be trying to get cute. He made a mistake. He's going to sit on the bench. Black is going to get his chance. He has to wait. Now, U.S. men's national perspective, I don't care. I don't, don't care. No, no. Are you falling back on what you've I always fallen back, back on, which is goalies don't need to play. They goalies just need to train. And you could tell me they do, mm-hmm. but we've seen this in the past. And this could be a refresher like it was for Christian Pulisic where mm-hmm. he wouldn't play at the club level, but the national team would be his refresher, right. his refuge. And he would take into that and have massive performances. You don't think being dropped team? at the club level could impact Turner's confidence with the national team? Because I could see him keeping the number that's one the job, one, that's the number but one. that'd be the worry if I'm a so, U.S. fan. That's a worry, yes, absolutely, because there are two positions on the field where confidence are, mm-hmm. are king, uh, in this case king. Uh, one would be the forward position, the nine position when it comes to scoring goals. The other one would be 
in the goal when it comes to blocking goals, when it comes to saving your team. Um, but I think Matt Turner has proved his worth. Mm. I think Matt Turner has proved it. Right now, it's, it's his and his alone. Uh, you look at the depth at the U.S. men's national team level for goalkeeper, I don't think anybody's touching Turner at the moment. So as long as he can prove that he's sharp enough, he'll mm-hmm. be fine. Uh, the team won without him. Not only did the team win without him, they also had a clean sheet. So when you talk about trying to get back into a lineup, and you know this well, a team that wins... And you've been hoping for this. A team that wins <laughs> repeats, right? I mean, this is... This is now looking like it could be a long time on the bench. And I think from a U.S. fan perspective, you're not just really worried about Turner's performance, right? Right. You're worried about the pool as a whole. Because Matt Turner's now not the only guy in this situation. It's basically, what, and, and it's hard really to know what the depth chart is for Greg Berhalter, but it's the guys, based on experience, we would think are the top three, right? Ethan Horvath yep. and Zach Steffen. Those guys are not starting. So if you now want to go to goalies who are actively playing, we're going back to the MLS world. Well, we're going see, back to the, the Drake Calendars, the Sean Johnson. You just brought up a goalkeeper who didn't even make the World Cup squad in Zach Steffen. Mm-hmm. Sean Johnson's been injured. Who knows what his future will be. Gaga Solonina's finally getting first-team opportunities in Europe. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is a long laundry list of problems mm-hmm. when it comes to U.S. men's national goalkeepers in the step chart. Yeah. There was a time, man, when the U.S. had two or three guys starting in the Premier League. Those days are, are, are long and over, and, and it may be that the U.S. now has no starting goalies, and they may have to pick from somebody that's playing on the bench at club when it comes to choosing the number one for Greg Berhalter. So, you said there's two positions on the field that are about confidence. Yes, sir. One is goalie. The other is striker. So, let's talk some strikers. Santiago Jimenez and Feyenoord, they beat Valvik. Uh, over the weekend, 2-1 in the Eredivis. Santiago Jimenez got the start, played the full 90 minutes, zero goals, zero assists, and probably the worst penalty miss of all time. What is he doing here with this Panenka hurt? Uh, it's, it's a rough one. You got to put it in, Santi. I have to put it in. Santi's got 13 goals in 11 league games so far this season, but after the game, he had to explain himself. Yeah, let's talk about about the penalty. <laughs> you try Panenka? Why? Ah, just um, I I have like I think 12 penalties in my career, and I always choose side and the side. And I said like, okay, the next one I will chip it. I don't know when, why, or and it was today. So that's why I do it. I practice in the training session uh, the chip it, but today it go up. You did not score today, you did not score last week. Uh, are you a little bit irritated if you don't score a goal as a striker? Yeah, yeah. Uh, always angry if I don't score. But I know it's part of, of a striker life. And I just need to keep working, uh, to keep trusting that the goal will come. Uh, it's just two games without scoring, so I have faith that next game it will come. Santiago Jimenez has now missed three of his last four penalties for club and country. Herc, something, nothing, or everything? Everything. And forget about the penalty kicks. Okay, I don't, I don't care that he's missed penalty kicks. That's, that's, if you why miss, do you say everything? Well, let me tell you why I say everything. Listen, those who missed a penalty kick mm-hmm. are the ones with the stones to take a penalty kick. It happens. It's how you miss this penalty kick that makes it everything. It's the reaction from the manager Arnesla, that makes it everything. The circumstances in this game that make it everything. Santi Jimenez, the goal the, right now that he should have made, the score is 1-1, one, one. okay? He doesn't make it. His rival is down a man. You're up a player. The game's not in the bag. You're chasing PSV in the standings. And what you do is you slot it in. And if you miss, shoot it, okay? Any other way, but if you miss, any other way, it's fine, nothing happens. Now you have your manager questioning you where he says self-confidence should not turn into arrogance. Santi Jimenez is a very good forward and I don't think he's an arrogant player mm-hmm. by any stretch of the imagination. But what you're leaving with this is the interpretation that your moment is bigger than the team. Mm. That your ego in that moment is bigger than any result that would be favorable for this team. And that's unfortunate because he's not that type of player. Yeah, to me, I hate the Panenka. I I hate anybody who does it because I think it's an unnecessary risk. You have such an advantage as a penalty taker. So it's either born of two things. One, confidence bordering on arrogance or a total lack of confidence and a guy who's just throwing stuff at a wall. And I think that's what we saw with Santiago Jimenez from the spot. If you are a confident taker of penalties, you step up, you hammer it home. You don't try some dinky panenka and miss the target. That's a guy 
who for me is having second thoughts, doubts in his head as he steps up to the spot. And that's a concern for me from Mexico. Now, it's not necessarily like we can't sit here and say that this is a, a career issue. This is a, a recent trend, right? He right. wasn't missing penalties at Cruz Azul. This is three of his last four. I wonder if it's maybe a little bit of pressure. With Mexico, he's chasing the starting spot, right? Really having like a handle on that number one job. And I think we see it in his performance. He's now been shut out in his last two league games. He's missed this penalty. And I just wonder if all of the stuff happening around, the, the, the constant Real Madrid rumor, the Barcelona rumor that we talked about last week, Spurs getting in the mix. I wonder if that is starting to affect him a little bit. Because this penalty miss to me, again, you say he's not an arrogant player. This doesn't seem to me to be something that Santiago Jimenez should be trying in a game. I, I did yeah, not it, expect this from him. It's funny you say that if you lack confidence, you try this. This is the one shot you don't well, it's try. Either it's, lack, it's either or. It's either or. It's not. It's really not. Except you're just throwing some, stuff at a wall. As, he as said, a, I usually do this. Oh, but now I'm just going to try something different because it's not working. Yeah, but when you're unsure of something, you just hit it. You don't try to dink it. You don't mm. try to chip it. So this is where I think... Maybe this outside noise, maybe this Real Madrid is in the mix, mm. Barcelona's in the mix, Spurs in the mix, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe I got to get a little sexy here. Maybe I got to be the big player everybody wants me to be. I don't care that he's missed two games. He's gone two games without a goal. That doesn't worry me. The kid scored a plethora of goals uh, for Feyenoord over last season, this season, uh, in Europa League and Champions League. That doesn't worry me. How he bounces back from him this type of moment, that worries me. There's also obviously the bigger picture penalty boogeyman with Mexico, right? 86, 94, 95 Copa America. And right now, does Mexico have like a obvious penalty taker to you? Or That's Pineda, who's not an obvious starter, but yes. Yeah. I'd love it if Santiago, yeah, producer Beto whispers in my Raul Jimenez. But here's the thing with Raul Jimenez, he shouldn't be on the field. Santiago Jimenez should, and if he could be the guy that was your guaranteed penalty taker, which right now, I don't think Jimmy Lozano can make him that, that would be a huge boost. That'd be a right. huge boost. Uh, all right, let's move on, shall we? Let's run it back because there were a lot of goals this weekend across Europe. Many of them hurt for USMNT players. Here's one, Ricardo Pepe with a goal and an assist as PSV hammered Heracles 6-0. Yeah, it's a nice little pass right there. Here's the issue with Ricardo Pepe, who's done well. His third goal, he's got an assist in this game. Luke De Jong, who's the captain of this team, has nine goals, six assists. PSV are in first place. They're not going to make a move, so he's got to bide his time. Do what he continues to do off the bench and be productive. He's super productive off the bench. I would have thought that at this point, though, just based on rotation, he'd at least have gotten a start. It's really shocking to see him over and over and over again, especially in these blowout games coming off the bench. But uh, his third goal of the league season. Malik Tillman, same game with his fourth goal of the season. Listen, I'm sitting pretty in that, you know, bet we made that he would be the highest scoring of the CONCACAF bunch. Even more so than Chucky Lozano, that's right, you did say that. And right now he's got four goals, three assists in all comps. He also a player that's been starting a lot more than I thought he would, but I guess I shouldn't have. I mean, he's wearing the 10 shirt at PSV, so you have to imagine they have some confidence in him. PSV, first place in the table. They are perfect. 11 wins through their first 11 games. Jordan Pifak with a goal and an assist as Borussia Mönchengladbach played to a 3-3 draw with Freiburg. He's just that type of forward. He's that type of striker. He's a what do you streaky, mean by that type? Streaky? streaky. Yeah. Yes, and we've seen it at Young Boys. We saw it at Gladbach. Uh, he's a player that has to learn to be consistent, and uh, maybe he can get back into that national team picture. Last call-up, March of 2022. He's got three goals in his last two games for Gladbach. Elsewhere in the Bundesliga, Kevin Paredes with a goal for Wolfsburg in their 2-2 draw against Werder Bremen. Herk his first of the season. First of the season, but he's been playing a lot. Listen, seven appearances, finally gets a goal here. We talk about all these different players being available for Greg Berhalter. All of a sudden, Kevin Paredes making his name, making at least everybody have a little bit of doubts of who should be that left wing winger, if you will. Second straight start for Paredes for Wolfsburg. Pride of uh, DC United Academy and Bethesda Soccer Club. Shout out. Haji Wright with a couple goals for Coventry City as they win 3-2 over Preston North End on Saturday. Oh, no, no, they lost 3-2, didn't they? I'm pretty sure they lost 3-2 here, my man. And that's the problem right there. Listen, Haji Wright, he's played like 15 games for Coventry City. Only four goals, two in this game. It's not been an easy transition from the Turkish League to the championship. Two goals in the 14 games before that for Haji Wright. 
matched it against Preston North End. Meanwhile in Brazil, Johnny Cardoso with his second assist of the season, been linked to Real Betis of late here for Internacional against Cruzeiro. Oh yeah, no, he gone. That, that's uh, Real Betis is right there. It, it, and listen, I'm excited to see Johnny because when it comes to sixes, get an opportunity for Greg Berhalter. He's had very few opportunities. No Tyler Adams. Maybe it's time we see some more Johnny. You are correct. Coventry City were 3-2 losers to Preston North End. There were some more goals. Uh, Gianluca Busio, Dwayne Holmes. You look that up right now? Julie Why do you Green, doubt me? Just that quickly because <laughs> you always correct me and you're usually wrong. Alex Andejas as well with a goal for uh, America and their three goals. win over Cholos. Had to get that in there. All right, uh, no goals, but history was made this weekend as Union Berlin and Eintracht Frankfurt faced off in Bundesliga play. Frankfurt were up 3-0 when Brendan Aronson came on in the 83rd minute. A couple minutes after that, Paxton Aronson entered the match, making them the first American brothers to ever play against each other in one of Europe's big five leagues. Eintracht Frankfurt, that's Paxton's team, went on to win 3-0 over Union Berlin. That's Brendan's team. Here's part two of last week's conversation with the older Aronson, Brendan. Brendan, of course, you're, you're on loan at Union Berlin from Leeds. I'm sure when you had the choice to make the move, there were probably some other options, opportunities out there as well. Why Union Berlin? Why the Bundesliga? Yeah, it stood out to me. I think that, first of all, I've always wanted to play in the Bundesliga. Um, I think it's a fantastic league. I think that the, the style of football really suits me. And I, I just really like it a lot. And yeah, with Union, it was a, I think it was a, it was a great decision because I felt like in that, in the moment, I felt like it, it was a special club. Um, they've been through so much, you know, and, and from the past years, it's just been better, better, better. And uh, yeah, I think that that was the original plan was to start the way we started, but it hasn't gone to plan. And, and that's football at the end of the day, but making the decision, I'm proud of it. And yeah, it's been, it's been great so far. I've learned a lot. Plus, you get that Champions League football. I mean, that surely um, yeah, played a yeah, factor. Yeah, I'm that, thinking for you, that, though, yeah. like, it can't be the overwhelming factor, right? Because you, you've been to the Champions League. People forget, like, you know, you, you've already yeah. been down this road. But, you know, what are those Champions League nights like for you when you're in the starting 11 for a game against, you know, for instance, the other day, Napoli? Yeah, I mean, I love it. Um, I think Champions League has always been, like, since I played in Salzburg, I played Champions League nights. They, they don't feel like any other, you know. Uh, playing in the games, you know, being on the biggest stage in the world. Um, it, it's its a giant competition, and its I'm just so grateful and so thankful to be a part of it. And, yeah, it's just dream come true every single time I can step out on the pitch and, and hear that anthem. Uh, we mentioned you're on loan from Leeds. You've now had some time to kind of look back on your moment there. Of course, you're still a Leeds player, so I guess you don't want to close the door yeah. or anything. But um, as you look back, do you do you have a better sense of kind of what happened there? Um, <laughs> I mean, I can't say that I can't put a finger on what went wrong. You know, I think that, first of all, it was a long season. You know, it was, it was a World Cup season, too. Um, I felt like we started great the first half year. I mean individually i felt like i had played some of the best football of my career uh the goals and assists might have not have been coming in at the moment but the overall play i felt really good and and i felt like i was doing really well and yeah i think then world cup comes around uh and i think when we came back i think we started to lose what we had in the in the beginning of the season and you know how it is i think football at the end of the day there's ups and downs and we were going through a down and the confidence starts to go down from the team um and listen, I think confidence is everything. We're going through a moment right here where we just need confidence, positivity, and that's what powers teams at the end of the day. What was it like being there with all the Americans? You had Weston, you had Tyler for a while, you had Jesse Marsh. Was that you know net positive, net negative? Like, how did you feel being there as one of those guys? No, it was amazing. Um, first off, being there with like Tyler for the first part of the season, me and him, I think that our connection grew so much. You know, I mean. I, I would like to even say he's my bigger brother. You know, we were always together, uh, spending a lot of time off the field, going golfing, uh, going over to each other's houses and stuff, getting things to eat. Um, he's an amazing guy, and uh, I, I really loved being at the club with him. He was, he was awesome. And then with uh, Jesse, he was a great coach to me. He believed in me. Um, he, he helped me so much as a player and I have a lot of respect for him. And then Weston coming at the end was, was great. You know, having another guy there that, that I know really well. And I think our connection grew too, because you're seeing these guys every single day, not like you're, you're just spending like 10 days with them. Um, and yeah, it was really good. And I'm, I'm grateful for, for that time. And I've learned so much from it really. 
Uh, speaking of Americans, Brendan, what about the national team? You came off the bench uh, twice during the last international window. How do you see your role with the U.S.? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think for me, it's just I'm always I always want to play. You know, I always want to do the best I can. I always want to be a, a starter. I think that's what everybody wants to be. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pushing towards being the best player I can be, and I always want to help the team at the end of the day too. So if that means coming off the bench and helping the team, then that's what I want to do, and uh, I want to help the team and and make the coaches proud and, and do what I'm supposed to do at the end of the day, and then just continually get better and better. We're 10 months, I guess, now removed from the World Cup. Do you have a perspective on it that's changed at all since we came back from Qatar? I mean, what an experience. I mean, like, really, like, to look back on it and, and feel like that was 10 months ago is like a fever dream almost because it, it goes by like this and you don't really think that, you know. Um, mm -hmm. But it was an amazing experience. I enjoyed every moment of it. Um being with the guys, playing in the games, um, just the aura of the tournament was just yeah, it was it was really really amazing. And to say that I played in a World Cup is is amazing to say too. Um, we'll finish up here with just a few more questions on the national team. Of course, uh, Greg Berhalter mm -hmm. was the guy that picked you for the uh, World Cup. He came back. Uh, what have the vibes been around the team since Berhalter, uh, you know, rejoined you guys? Yeah, it's, it's been great. Um, I think the vibe of the team has been amazing. I think we're, we've started where we left off. Um, and I think that even during that time period that he wasn't there, I think that the team grew and we were doing the same things that we were doing with Greg there, the same tactics, the same way that we wanted to play. And I think when it came in, it was just an easy transition back into it. You know, I think that it was really smooth and it's great to see him back. That game against Germany, were there some guys in your locker room talking trash? <laughs> yeah, there there was like I Robin and uh, Kevin Barons uh, were of course I saw them a little bit before the game too, and they mm -hmm. was they were joking around because when they pulled up to the stadium, you know, like this is probably one of the best like pull up to the stadiums I've ever played. I haven't played in UConn Stadium yet, but like to see like the the American way of everybody like barbecuing outside, like throwing a football or, or passing the soccer ball around. It was really awesome to see because I remember doing that as a kid too and they were just joking around about like how that's the most American thing ever to the tailgating of it and the barbecue and stuff like that. So I thought that was fun. So everybody looked at that game and they said, all right, based on this result, this is what we think the team can achieve in 2026. That's what everybody's focused on, the next World Cup. Uh, what do you think the group can achieve in the 2026 yeah. World Cup? I think the group can achieve, I mean, a lot of things. I think the group is super talented. Uh, I think the... The connections that we all have is, is really strong. Um, I think that it's just a great group of guys. And I think that, I mean, you see it now. Everybody's playing in top clubs around the world uh, and, in, and in Europe. And it's great to see. And I think that the team's only going to get better and better. All right, our thanks to Brendan Aronson. If you want to see him in action, Sunday, 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time, Union Berlin taking on the league leaders. Fire Leverkusen. By the way, next week we'll have brother Paxton here on Football Americas again. Uh, Union Berlin, Fire Leverkusen, Sunday morning right here on ESPN+. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Major League Soccer playoffs going on, actually, as we speak. Let's recap the weekend, though, with good, bad, and ugly. Sporting Kansas City, eight seed, finishing off a clean sweep of your Western Conference one seed. St. Louis with a 2-1 win at home. Herc, you went way out on a limb. You called it. 
and you were right. Did I really go out on a limb? Listen, if you want to take into account St. Louis's last four games, mm -hmm. okay, the two uh, last regular season games and these two playoff games, they've lost all four. They've got 11 goals against and only two goals for. Uh, I don't know what to say. They were going against one of the hottest teams, if not the hottest team heading into MLS Cup playoffs. And Peter Vermees, who you wanted to fire not too long ago. Whoa, steady, steady. <laughs> There it is, uh, Sporting Kansas City, the winners. Fracasote, at least from a playoff. For sure. For St. Louis. Pretty good regular season. Here's a bad FC Cincinnati sweeping the New York Red Bulls. Ah! Uh, they won game two on a penalty shootout. There's John Tolkien missing what could have been the game winner for the New York Red Bulls. One of two, actually, potential game-winning penalties that the Red Bulls missed. Matt Miazga is suspended for FC Cincinnati's next game <laughs> because of a yellow card received in the penalty shootout. It's actually his third yellow of round one, Herc. His second of the night, by the way. Yes, but because it's in the penalty shootout, not a red. I mean, it was kind of harsh, right? Like, he, he grew up as a New York Red Bull. He was giving the fans some love. Was it? Okay. <laughs> you, you thought he was taunting? I thought it was good. Oh, I, I definitely th know he was taunting. Look at Matt Miazga. And it's unfortunate because he's going to miss the first round of the next game against whoever it may be. That's right. So, uh, bad news there for Matt Miazga and FC Cincinnati, though they do advance. The ugly LAFC Vancouver. Uh, this one all about the refs. LAFC awarded a penalty here, Herc. Fair? Yeah, I think so. Listen, they sandwiched the player. Uh, no need. You had support. Bawanga puts it away. That's the first right there, right? Yep. You good? LAFC, okay. we're up 1-0 at that point, looking to close out the series after a big win at home in game one. Vancouver, we're looking <laughs> to equalize late. Here's your referee, Tim Ford, with I think what we can best describe as a screen. LAFC on the break. They'd go down and score, although the goal eventually overturned for offside her. That, however, did not stop all of Vancouver from flipping out, including manager Benny Sartini, who absolutely lost it. I mean, where do we start on how concacaf this whole play is? One of the most you got got concacaf moments, excuse me, the screen from the referee, Carlos Vela not realizing he can just shoot it in himself, passes it when he's clearly offsides. Yes, the goalkeeper is out, you need two defenders offside. Hey, Sartini right here, most epic of red cards you ever see. <laughs> look at that. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's very Antonio Brown-like. And then look, it gets called back. It is offsides. I'm sorry about that. Oh, no. We got the double birds there. Great uh, work from our editing department. Vanny Sartini, uh, very upset uh, after the game. In fact, so upset that he said something crazy in the post-game press conference. This is from J.J. Adams. He's a uh, reporter up there in Vancouver. Vanny Sartini asking if we were rolling, then saying, if ref Tim Ford ends up found floating face down in Falls Creek tonight, the cops might come looking for him. So Vanny Sartini going wild after the Vancouver Whitecaps uh, are eliminated from postseason contention. He did clear up afterwards. Not that he would do it, but that that's who they would be looking for. Uh, did he cross the line? Are we giving him a get lost here? Yeah, get lost. It's, it's a tasteless joke. You could say how oh, it's funny. You, you can't say that. You can't do that, especially in a professional setting. Can't um, joke about violence. You can't joke about death like that. No, yeah. no, no. Uh, it's a shame because Vancouver in the regular season, for as inconsistent as they were at times, were very entertaining. They're actually a good team. It's, I haven't seen BC place like that in probably 30, ever. 30,000. They had a it, huge crowd. You're right. Ridiculous atmosphere. Sartini's a very good coach. He's honestly one of the more entertaining personalities in Major League Soccer. This is ridiculous by Uncle Ray. Like, I don't, I, or Ford, excuse me, by Ford right here. I don't know what you're doing as a referee. Where do you think the ball can pop out of? Where do you think yeah. the opposition or any team puts players to be dangerous, you run into the player that's trying to strike. What the happens ball. if What happens if Vela just puts that in? Then it's a real problem for the it's referee because then he's got to make a decision. He hasn't called it back. You're, in theory, you're supposed to stop play if you touch it. It's supposed to be if you touch I mean, the ball. That, I think it's a gray area play, here. Right, impacting the play without touching it yeah. uh, is still pretty bad. The issue is you impact the play, and then it's Carlos Vela's lack of understanding, who yep. came on as, as a sub, by the way, brilliant move by um, Steve Chirondo of resting and paid off. Now he has a, a very fresh Carlos Vela for whenever they play next. Uh, Carlos Vela now recognizing the moment. The goalkeeper's pulled out, passes to Boango. He could have played it in from like probably 50, 60 yards mm -hmm. on turf, and it would have been a goal by himself. Game over, no issues. Ended up being game over, no issues as well. But the chaos that ensued after, like that's probably the most entertaining part of 
this Major League Soccer playoffs that I've seen. Yes. Up until what he says in the postgame press conference, right? Like, and that's what I think you, you, where you have to draw the line here because we always complain that there aren't enough characters in Major yeah. League Soccer. And I have been guilty on this show of saying that Vancouver is kind of an, an irrelevant franchise, right? They don't make their way into our rundown very often. Benny Sartini is the kind of guy who could change that, right? Well, because he's doing kind of, in this case, outrageous things. But he also has his team playing well enough to be in the playoffs and, to your point, to be pretty entertaining. Yeah, listen... When Vancouver has been on our program, and we're not just showing a highlight, mm -hmm. it's usually Vanny Sartini. Yep. It's usually something he said, something he did. Uh, I repeat, it's unfortunate because Vancouver had a very good season. There's a lot of things they can get better. I think they had like 12 ties in, throughout the season. Mm -hmm. So those could be turned into wins, a lot of those key wins, and you could be a better franchise. It wasn't just the, the play that everybody's talking about. It is the penalty. I think he felt a little harsh done on that. And there was a penalty shout for Vancouver right. On the Ray in the second half that I think they wanted as well. But either way, I think when he you know starts talking about what might happen to the ref after the game, he's going to be hearing from uh, MLS HQ oh, yeah. uh, before it's all said and done. We got more MLS news. This is not coming from HQ, but coming from the LA Galaxy. That's right, the Los Angeles Galaxy and Javier Chicharito Hernandez are parting ways after four seasons. The 35-year-old joined the Galaxy in 2020. All told, 39 goals, six assists across 82 appearances for the club. He hadn't played since June after tearing his ACL. He leaves MLS a two-time All-Star and a two-time winner of the LA Galaxy Player of the Year Award. Chicharito, it's time in Major League Soccer is over and out. Joining us now for more, our good friend and colleague, Alejandro Moreno, and somebody who I frequently now play pickup games with, uh, in his backyard at the Moreno Mental, which of course, the folks, Moreno Mental. Yes, folks who know I gave it the name, okay? It was from, from this creative mind that the uh, Moreno Mental was sprung. Ale, great to have you with us here, man. Uh, let's talk about Chicharito as we look back now on his four seasons. Wow, it, it feels like he just got here, his four seasons with the LA Galaxy. How do we look back on his time in MLS? Well, before we get into that, uh, have you told the people about your performance at the Moreno Mental? Uh, have <laughs> we had this conversation? Mm -hmm. I'm, a, I'm a hardworking player. Okay? Right, right. Not a lot of frills in this game. <laughs> and, uh, and, yeah, and you, you bring the refreshments. I bring the refreshments. That's <laughs> exactly. right. I bring the vibes. All I know is. Mm, I, I see. And, and I don't know what has happened and as to why I get the opportunity to participate today in Football Americas. But mm -hmm. this is, I think, officially the first time that I'm in Football Americas in which both of you are actually here. It's not like I'm taking the place of Hercules mm -hmm. or taking the place of Seb. Both of them are here and I actually got an invite. Oh, what an honor. What, what an a, evening. What, what an opportunity what for me. I know. You know we, we've been trying to do this for a while, Ale, but what we've been told by uh, the production here is it's too much star power for one television yeah, screen yeah. to have all three of us uh, here at once. Uh, speaking of star uh, power, uh, and perhaps star power that didn't deliver, uh, Javier Chicharito Hernandez, Ale. Uh, at the end of the day, what do we make of his time in L.A.? Uh, underwhelming, I think. Um, and, 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 and I don't know so much about his performances as it is the LA Galaxy as a whole. And it just coincided that his time with the LA Galaxy was also around the same time in which LAFC simply mm. has taken over LA. Now, you guys uh, tend to go to LA a whole lot more often than I do. Hercules lives there. but. There was a time in Major League Soccer not too long ago in which the LA Galaxy were the premier franchise in MLS, in Major League Soccer. That every franchise sort of wanted to model themselves after the LA Galaxy and that indeed they were sort of the model of success in Major League Soccer. And that has turned and it has turned quickly to the point to where as compared to LAFC, the LA Galaxy is a secondary thought right now in Major League Soccer and the story of a successful franchise in MLS in LA is LAFC not so much the LA Galaxy now circling back to Chicharito which is indeed your question he's right smack in the middle of all of that fairly or unfairly but to be honest, he's not even the most exciting Mexican player right now in the city of Los Angeles. Mm. That still is Carlos Vela. Whenever he's fit, whenever he's ready to play, whenever he actually is available to play, still, I think, a far more popular 
uh, or at least relevant player in Major League Soccer because of his productivity and what he, he means to his club and what his club is doing as compared to whatever Chicharito Hernandez was able to do or not able to do with the LA Galaxy. You missed the playoffs three out of the four years that you're there and that that's a time that Chicharito has been with the LA Galaxy. The, you cannot look at this as a successful experience for anybody. Yeah, can't call it a success, Herc. Is failure too harsh? Uh, it would be a little too harsh, and I'm glad that I'm glad that Ali brought up the LA Galaxy and what they were and the model franchise that they were back when before. you guys used to play for them. Very much so. Now, between 1996, the league's inception, and 2014, the LA Galaxy had made nine MLS Cup finals. Nine MLS Cup finals since. They've not made a final. In fact, they've only won three playoff rounds. We can sit here and talk about the incomplete performance because I want to say it's incomplete from Javier Hernandez because if you look at a DP, and Ali, you know this league, Seb, you know this league, when you pick a DP, you have to knock it out the park. And most importantly, they have to play. That's the investment you make in these P's. They have to play. He didn't play. Yeah. For two seasons, he was healthy enough to play, and they were productive seasons. If you see the numbers, he had 83 games, 39 goals. He had a season in, in 20, 2021 where he scored 17 goals. He had a season in 2022 where he scored 18 goals. The first season, two goals. This last season, one goal. So what I'm trying to tell you is when he's been fit enough, he's been productive. But you This year couple, when he was fit, he wasn't really productive. Well, hold on. It was nine games. Relax. But when you couple him not being fit enough or being able to be on the field because of injury, plus the disaster that is the LA Galaxy since Chris Klein took the team over and what they are today. And Alex, uh, excuse me, Ale is right. They're a shadow of what they once were, a great organization. And what's worse, Ali highlighted this, is the rise of LAFC. Mm. That is the worst part of this all for the Galaxy. But when we're looking at Javier Hernandez as a whole and what, an, what encompasses a successful DP in the LA market, it was incomplete. Boy, incomplete's too soft for me. I think it's a flop. It's a failure. There was so much hype, Herc, you remember, around this guy. This was a player that MLS was chasing for years, years and years, was the white whale, was the guy who was finally going to get the Mexican-American fan to buy into this league. And I think, the, I think the point you guys are hammering here is, is the best way to measure the success that wasn't had. Because... On-field success, you can, you can give him the asterisk of injury. But when you sign a DP in Major League Soccer, you're also looking for off-field success. And the fact that the LA Galaxy are less relevant, yeah, nationally or internationally than when he signed, but even so in their own city, that to me means that he didn't have the off-field impact that a lot of people thought he would have. And the on-field you can't control because you don't know when a guy's going to get hurt or not. But for Chicharito to come to the LA Galaxy and for them to be less relevant than they were before he arrived... That's a huge letdown. You think letdown that's on Chicharito? Listen, the LA Galaxy missing, as Ale said, playoffs three of the last four years doesn't help. But he was the star. He was the guy that should have taken who's the, the big, LA Galaxy. Who's the bigger star, Slatan or Chicharito? Oh, Slatan, no doubt. What effect did Slatan have on this market in the attendance? Well, Slatan got to a no, no, playoffs, no, no. one or playoff this round. Off the field, this off the field bump that you're expecting from Chicharito. Uh, two years versus four, bit different, isn't it? But you're talking off the field. So what I'm trying to gather here is it's why, like, the root of the problem is much bigger than the DP itself, than Slatan himself, than Chicharito itself. It's the LA Galaxy as a whole. So you I think Chicharito would have been successful much more in a different place? You think he would have lit the league up? Well, he proved to be a very productive player. I'm trying to tell you that Los Angeles and Ali's played in this city before, mm -hmm. and he's seen other sports teams in this city. They love a winner, and they only love a winner. So they will back you when you win. Doesn't mean they're fair weather, but that's what they want. They want their L.A. teams to win. Javier was on a team that wasn't very good, on a team that didn't win, on a team that wasn't productive or conducive to his style, and at the end of the day, wasn't available because he was injury prone. Mm. Ali, I don't know if you remember, back in the day, we used to uh, record some segments for the ESPN FC YouTube channel. We used to do this bracket breakdown where we would do the biggest busts mm. in MLS history. I mean, we were talking names like Danielson, Lothar Mateos, I think Giovanni Dos Santos was in that Rafa bracket Marquez. at some point. Rafa Marquez yeah. was in that. Um, who do you think's right here? You going with Herc? You going with me? Is is Chicharito in that like all-time bust, or is that too much here? I think that's too much. Uh, but what I would say, first of all, and just to get this out of the way, uh, let's not ever, ever, please, please, let's not ever. 
put Chicharito and Slatan in <laughs> any categories that are somewhat similar to each other. Slatan uh, is an all-timer. Chicharito is an all-time Mexican player, but not an all-timer in terms of the world picture, in terms of the global picture. And as, as accomplished as he has been with his national team and as accomplished as he has been with his career, he is nowhere near Slatan Ibrahimovic. And Slatan Ibrahimovic, if the LA Galaxy were last, and I mean dead last, dead last, well, 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 well behind everybody else. And Slatan is playing. It's still interesting to go watch them play. Because Slatan transcend. Chicharito was never going to do that. So if that was the expectation, mm. it was an unrealistic one. Because Chicharito Hernandez transcends with a Mexican fan. But it doesn't transcend with a global audience. They, they, it does not. It, this, is, this is the assumption that they made with Chivas USA back in the day, that Chivas USA was going to make a connection with the Mexican fan and the Mexican-American fan, and that's why they were going to fill the stadium. Uh, no, we are repeating the same mistake. Zlatan Ibrahimovic is a different level altogether as to what Chicharito was ever able to accomplish in his career. As in, in terms of... What, what the perception is of Chicharito in, in regards to what his accomplishment was in, in Major League Soccer, I don't think it's a total flop, but I do think it was underwhelming. Uh, I think there was more to be expected just because of the name, but if you evaluate the player himself, this is a player that over the course of his career, as productive as he has been, he's always needed service. Mm. And he wasn't getting that service within the LA Galaxy because them, for the most part, they were not very good in his time there with the LA Galaxy. And if Chicharito doesn't have service, he's not scoring goals because he's not the kind of player who's going to turn against anybody and dribble three players and then score from the top of the 18-yard box, top corner. That's not his game. It's never been his game. It will never be his game. So, underwhelming in that there was more to be expected from Chicharito, but I think overall underwhelming from the LA Galaxy in the time that Chicharito was there. Some of it has to do with Chicharito, a lot of it has to do with the LA Galaxy as a whole. You know why he wasn't getting service? Because he wasn't playing with guys like Ale Moreno and Hercules Gomez as a veteran of the Moreno Mental. I know Ale uh, can find and assist when he sees one. Never, never mind his finishing abilities. Ale Moreno, thanks so much, man. Great to have you with us here on Football Américas. We will be sure to do it again soon. You can catch Ale, of course, seven days a week. Well, he doesn't work all seven days a week. It feels like it. But uh, five days a week you can catch Ale Moreno on ESPN FC, available daily right here on ESPN+. Plus. feel like you're dominating the game, playing well, but at the end of the day, if you're not finishing your goals, it makes it tough on yourself. Um, you know, U.S. style and everything that everyone wanted to see, and, and then we end up going into penalties. So it is what it is. I'm proud of every player that's, uh, that stood up, took a penalty. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> um, it's tough. Tough way to go out at the end, um, being that close to it. Um, unfortunately, that's, that's sports, that's soccer. Yeah, that, that definitely hurts. We make some. We miss know opportunities and it sucks it's it's you know painful it's gonna be painful um, yeah unfortunately this is my last time in this crest so I'm excited for them in the future there's just some, some dark dark comedy and me missing a penalty in my last game ever so 2023, a year to forget for the U.S. women's national team after the worst World Cup ever, but things may be about to turn around. Multiple reports breaking over the weekend that Emma Hayes, the current manager of Chelsea Women, is set to take over the U.S. job in the coming months. Hayes has been at Chelsea since 2012, where she's won the league six times, won the FA Cup five times. She had Chelsea in the Champions League final a couple years ago, 2021, where she was uh, also named as FIFA's best coach in all of women's football. For more on this, we welcome into the show our good friend and colleague Jeff Kasouf. You can find his work over at ESPN.com, Equalizer Soccer as well. Jeff, nice quiet weekend for you, right? NWSL <laughs> playoffs and some breaking news yeah. on the U.S. Women's National Team managerial front. How, how'd you spend yeah. those 48 hours? Yeah, very relaxing. Uh, I alternated some some news breaking and some reporting with uh, some leaf blowing and some fun fall activities. So yeah, it was it was busy. Look at that leaf blowing. All right, we've got yeah, a, a, go. a true dad segment here on uh, 
on Football Americas. All right, Jeff, let's just get your, your kind of first reaction. For me, it was overwhelming joy. I've been screaming from, from the hills. Emma Hayes go. is the we go. best we go. candidate to manage the U.S. women's national go. team in the world, not in the available pool, in the world. They landed her. I think this is a major coup, Jeff. What do you make of it? I, I agree. I think this was the best available candidate. Um, you know, you can add in the asterisk if you want that Serena Vegman was was out. But, you know, I, I've been an Emma Hayes fan for a long time. I've had an official FIFA vote for most of the past decade, and she's been on my ballot very frequently for a top coach in the world. Uh, this is a manager who has proven herself at Chelsea. As she said, she's built a foundation in her coaching, uh, you know, her coaching um, in the U.S. And, you know, I think that this is a coach that the U.S. needs right now. She has flexibility. She has, um, she's an outsider of sorts, but she's familiar with the U.S. game. So she doesn't have any preconceived notions necessarily about, you know, I've coached this player here and there. Yes, some players have come through Chelsea, some U.S. players there right now. But um, I think this is a manager who really can command the dressing room and, you know, in a way that that demands respect. And, you know, not that any in the past haven't, but I think at this critical juncture in this team's history where, you know, we saw the World Cup did not go well. I think this is what this team needs right now. I mean, this is this is a manager who has the tactics, who can bring the respect, and, and I think that this is the best hire they could have made. I'm glad you brought up Serena Vigman. That was my pick right there. Mm -hmm. Listen, I, I was uh, reading a little bit today. The Guardian had a, a pretty interesting article on the hiring or potential hiring of Emma. Uh, it was titled, Emma Hayes is the ideal candidate for the U.S. women's national team, but she would walk into a pit of vipers. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of challenges are we talking about here, Jeff? Yeah, I mean, that's great headline writing for one. Um, look, you know, this is, you know, talking to people and reporting on this, I mean, look, there is a challenge here. And, and the fact that Emma Hayes is starting in May, mm -hmm. there's a lot to be figured out there, right? And and I think that's all still developing. Obviously, U.S. soccer hasn't even made the official announcement yet, is coming at some point. But, you know, is she coming to the U.S.? Is she coaching the U.S. on international breaks? Is it every break? Is it here and there? Uh, what does that look like in the interim from now until the end of May? So, Double duty is not ideal, nor is the fact that she might start cold in May for an Olympics that starts in July, right? So, you know, I think that there's a lot to figure out there. But one of the big things, obviously, is a similar problem that Vlako Nanovsky had, which is we're in a transition state for this team. You have a lot of talented young players, a lot that need to be identified, a lot that have been identified, but not necessarily or maybe properly developed. And then you still have a bit of a veteran core that needs to be figured out as well, right? So I think there are some hard decisions to make on this roster uh, for the immediate, for the Olympics, and then obviously you're going towards 2027 so that you know is going to be a challenge for her but i think that you know again to what we just talked about she hasn't been afraid to make hard decisions she hasn't been afraid to put her hand up if she's wrong whether that's a tactical change or, or a problem that she's had at chelsea and make some changes so i think that this is again the right person for this type of challenge mm. Hard decisions, maybe not a lot of time to make them, though, and, and that's a critical no. thing if you take the job uh, in May with the Olympics coming up in the summer. All right, Jeff, let's uh, cover what happened in the NWSL playoffs this past weekend. We had the two semifinals. We'll start with uh, Portland against Gotham. And, Herc, this get was a story of just Portland having chance after chance after chance and not finishing. Here's a really good one. 79th minute, Sophia Smith just can't get there in time. Ah, oh, the ball's just a little bit in front of her. Can't get there. Goalkeeper comes out, but on a foot race, you would bet on Sophia Smith here. It just doesn't have it quite there like she did in the regular season. About 10 minutes after that, Portland again on the break through Smith. She's going to find Morgan Weaver here, and Weaver's going to want a second crack at that. I mean, the second crack, if you will, has to put that away, at least make it a little bit more difficult. Does not. A good shot here, and guess what? Good shot, her. Good shot. That's a great shot from Katie Stengel, the game winner for Gotham in the 107th minute. Here's another look. I mean, it's beautifully bent, but you give anybody that much time in the box, they're going to pick their corner. So Gotham then, away from home, go to Portland and get the win. What about the second semifinal? San Diego Wave and O.L. Reign in San Diego. In the second half, Veronica Latsko. Was it a cross? Was it a shot? It's deflected. <laughs> I'll give the keeper the benefit of the doubt right here with a little deflection. It just loses it. We're going to see right there. Defender as she's trying to cut the cross off. Deflected and in right over her head. Side netting. Upper V almost. 
Let's go with the big goal there. Had the big goal against Angel City in the first round of the playoffs. San Diego Wave looking for an equalizer. Jaden Shaw over the bar. Yeah, the youngster Jaden Shaw. Maybe had a little bit more time, a little bit more space. Could attack that. Ops for the shot from distance, just over. Again, San Diego, your shield winners. Trying to create in the 65th minute, looking for Alex Morgan in behind. Yeah, it's been that kind of a string of games for Alex Morgan, just can't quite make the difference there. Noel Rain, one nothing winners. As they push on to the NWSL Championship, it is set, Noel Rain against Gotham, Saturday in San Diego at Snapdragon Stadium. All right, Jeff, so we had both of the top seeds go down and both of them playing at home. Which of the two for you was the biggest disappointment from the weekend? The Shield winner, San Diego Wave, I think has to be the big disappointment. I mean, this is a team that in a year that was pretty chaotic, a lot of parity in the league, managed to put together, at least by a thin margin, the most consistent season. Really, you could argue that for back-to-back, -back, even as an expansion team last year, leading the league for half of the year. They get a home semifinal in front of a record crowd, and I think really have the talent to get this done. You look at Portland, and maybe you say, okay, there were some signs there. They were wobbling at the end of the regular season. The wave were on the upswing of momentum. They had what it takes uh, talent-wise. They had the momentum in their favor, and I think that that you know this game Casey Stoney afterwards she said she, she was almost lamenting the fact that she felt like taking nothing away from the rain that they sort of it, it was what they didn't execute it wasn't necessarily that the rain came out and and just gave it to them and and really put them back on their heels it was really that the wave we, we didn't see the best wave that we could have on the day and I think that's really what the disappointment was all right as the production crew for uh, many are from San Diego would say they lost in the most San Diego way possible. <laughs> if you're from the area, you would yes. know what I'm talking about. What happened to Portland? That was my pick to win it all. Sophia Smith was my pick for MVP. That still may happen. I mean, what went wrong for Portland? Because if I'm looking on paper, they could just dismiss what happened to Angel City and just say, okay, regroup, a healthy Sophia Smith, you should take care of this at home. What happened? Well, look, I think Portland in this game specifically attempted to get into a real tactical chess match with a team that loves to do that, right? And this is a Thorns team that is very athletic, certainly has technical ability, certainly has plenty of, you know, the tactical nuance. But if you look at these two teams and what kind of game they wanted to play, this was a Gotham game. They got the sort of back and forth. They got the tight midfield. They got that, uh, everything that they wanted really in the middle of the park. And as much as yes, the Thorns had stretches of play, we saw in the highlights there that Sophia Smith gets behind twice. And, you know, maybe you can call that lucky that she doesn't convert or that Morgan Weaver scuffs that shot. But this very much played out how Gotham wanted, nil-nil in the extra time. And then, you know, Boston Breakers legend, NWSL journeywoman, Katie Stengel just hits it upper 90. Um, this was a game where, you know, the, the tactical plan really fell to Gotham. And I don't think, you know, this has been a theme for the Thorns throughout the season. They've had some ups and downs. We saw in the spring some struggles. We saw it again come around, you know, the end of the regular season. Uh, I think that as much as they had the talent, they haven't always had the tactical answers, uh, you know, when they, when they do get hit by another team and the, another team has something to throw at them, like Gotham did where they're number nine, played as a number six for basically the full first half, Esther Gonzalez. All right, Jeff. So it's O.L. Reign against Gotham for all the marbles. But really what everybody's saying is it's <laughs> Ali Krieger against Megan Rapino in what will be both of their last games. I mean, from a fan perspective, from a neutral perspective, this is really a dream final, isn't it? Yeah, I think this has the global appeal you'd want. I mean, Megan Rapino getting there, period, right? I mean, this is something that uh, her retirement has been a global headline at the U.S. level. But she's talked a lot about what the rain has done for her career. And then to add that, you know, Ali Krieger on the other side, her last game, I think that this is going to be, uh, it's an exciting game. I mean, look, these are two teams that are vying for their first NWSL titles. The Reigns history of losing at this stage is uh, well documented, and they'll be looking to end that narrative. And then Gotham looking to complete a worst to first here. 12th place uh, last year, 12 straight losses last year. Horrendous season, frankly, and to be in a final. Second year in a row, we've had uh, a team that finished last the prior season make the final. Gotham will hope to do what Kansas City couldn't last year. But yeah, Krieger versus Rapino will be huge. And um, looking forward to, I, I think what will be, you know, you look at, who maybe has an advantage. This playoff so far, I feel like, has really lent towards the defensive sides. Krieger's been spectacular. I thought Becky Sauerbrunn was spectacular on the other side, but Krieger's been very good for Gotham, and that could be a difference again in the final. 
All right, there he is, Jeff Kasouf. You can find his work at ESPN.com, Equalizer Soccer as well. Jeff, as always, great to have you with us here on Football Americas. I'll see you guys out there. That's right, show number 300 live from San Diego ahead of the NWSL Championship between Gotham FC and OL Reign. 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 5.30 p.m. Pacific, right here on ESPN Plus Thursday night. I heard. Before we get out of here, let's recap some of the big games from the weekend that was in Liga MX. Club America, 3-0 winners over Cholos of Tijuana, who had a man sent off on the hour mark. The unbeaten streak now for America, up to 14 games. How you like them apples? Whew. I mean, if you count League's Cup, I know they were outed or they were bounced in penalty kicks, but it doesn't count as a loss. Like, this streak is up to 17. Sendejas, Cabecita, Rodriguez, and Fidalgo, the goal scorers. Tigres, who are in second place, were hosting San Luis. They actually blew the lead, Kirk, in this game. Not once, but twice after Nico Ibanez gave him the lead in the 91st minute. Dieter Vialpando with a goal in the 96th minute. Golazo. Two -two Golazo. As Tigres drop points late at home. Tigres and America. Set to face off in the last game of the regular season down in Mexico next weekend, Herc. How confident are you? Will Tigres be the team to end America's recent unbeaten run? We're talking about regular season, right? Mm -hmm. So that brings my confidence level down a little bit for a lot of the obvious reasons. Uh, the obvious winning streak that America has, the good moment, how deep they are. Listen, I'll, I'll say this, and I don't want you to get too crazy here, but I've never... <laughs> I have never seen a more complete America team wow. in my lifetime. Coming from noted anti-Americanista Hercules Gomez, not. you constantly tear down Las Aguilas. Every time I'm up here telling you they're playing great. Not, they I are don't. the most complete version you've seen I since don't. when? It's in my lifetime. You wow. can say Ben Hacker, Leo Ben Hacker, team, whatever. Listen, let's not pretend we were watching these games at six and you remember everybody, okay? But Steady on certainly, certainly Mario Carrillo, Miguel Herrera, those are those Americas of the past. I have never seen a more complete Club America. Let me just a team that was decimized by injuries. Mm -hmm. Okay, it has one loss this season. Decimated, I believe the word. What did I say? <laughs> Don't worry about it. Well, it was decimated. decimated. That's a decimized. <laughs> Apologies. <laughs> Apologies. Uh, injuries all through the back line, man. They've had five different center backs this yep. season. Yep. Five debuted center backs, giving kids an opportunity. Uh, we're talking about injuries in important positions to Fidalgo, Richard Sanchez, Diego Valdez, who's the league MVP. Brian right Rodriguez now. of late. Brian Rodriguez started out Cabecita injured. Sendejas wasn't even playing. He got injured as well. Whatever you want to say, Henry Martin in the injury front as well. This team just keeps going. Quinones has played as a nine. He's played as a left wing. He's played as a right wing. He's played as a second strike. And then look at this. We're talking about America. Now look mm -hmm. at the dominance over Tigres How you in the regular that? season. Ah, okay. In the regular season. Tigres is a team that this regular season at home has given up leads to teams like Toluca. Last minute of the game, they should have had three points. And San Luis, not once, but twice, as you highlighted. And in that losing of points at home against San Luis, they lost the most important player in the league, that is Andre Pierre Gignac, Mr. Playoffs himself. How long he will be out remains to be seen. His substitution, Nico Ibanez, is a very formidable striker. He's a very good uh, insurance policy. He'd be a starter anywhere else in the league. I've got no doubt. But it certainly is not Andre Pierre Gignac. So when we're talking about regular season, my confidence level is mm -hmm. low. Regular season. Mm -hmm. You, you think know if, why? You think if they meet in Ligia, America's in trouble? I think they're in big trouble. Okay. Anybody else in, in the league that scares you from an America perspective? It's just Tigres. America's 1A and, and Tigres is a 1B. Mm. And then everybody else falls under. And listen, the second closest team to those teams, the third team, best team, would be Monterrey, who lost 3-0 to Tigres and who lost 3-0 to America. No love for Chivas. Producer Beto screaming in my ear, no love for Chivas. He don't even love Tigres. <laughs> he don't even love um, Tigres have won just two of their last six. Who are you more worried about, Tigres or Seattle against FC Dallas in game three? Um, Seattle, because it's a one and done. Ooh, he's ner are you nervous about the Sounders? No, not at all. Okay. No. All right. You want to bet something or not? What's that? You want to bet something or not? Don't act like you didn't hear me. You want to bet um, Yeah, I'll, I'll make a bet with you. All right. Yeah. All right. What, uh, 50 bucks. 
50 bucks. Am I betting on FC Dallas and Jesus Vedeta? Maybe not my best bet. All right, let's take a look at the, where the Ligia uh, stands, where the standings. Yeah, exactly. What, what's at stake this weekend is what I meant to say. America and Tigres, they're pretty much far and away. Uh, you're one and two. And then remember, your plane is seven through ten. The big game really is Chivas Pumas. Yeah. Uh, because the winner is, is guaranteed top four. And the loser, if it's Pumas, could actually drop to the seven through ten, I believe. So well, Santos has a pending Santos, excuse me, has a pending game with Monterrey, so that could right. be a six-point swing for them. So a big game there uh, between Chivas and Pumas for the uh, last spot in the top four in Mexico. Let's run it back with some members of El Tri. Luis Chavez, this is from today, Herc, with his first goal in Russia for Dynamo Moscow in their 3-3 draw against PFC Sochi. Yeah, he's consistently a starter now. The problem is nobody watches the Russian Premier League. Uh, they're in fifth place. I don't know how smart the move was, honestly. Really? Yeah, yeah. Had to get out of Mexico, right? Yeah, and go where? A place in Europe that nobody wants to deal with? We'll see how long that lasts. Keeps playing like that. Somebody might take notice. Chucky Lozano with an assist for PSV in the game we told you about before. 6-0 over Heracles. His second league assist of the campaign. Her. Listen, four goals, two assists this campaign in league play. Here's the kicker. Three goals, two assists in the last four games. He's heating up. Chucky Lozano. Looking good since the move to PSV. And, of course, you can watch Chucky Lozano and the rest of his American PSV teammates right here on ESPN Plus, PSV against PEC Seoul on Sunday, 6.15 a.m. Eastern Time. All right, so that's an early one, especially out here on the West Coast. And then Santi Jimenez and Feyenoord, they take on Asset Alkmaar Sunday, 10.45 a.m. Eastern Time start there. You can watch the Eredivis on ESPN Plus. You can also watch USL right here on ESPN Plus. USL League One Final, North Carolina against Charlotte, 0-0 in the 99th minute when Hector Acosta put Charlotte ahead. What is the goalkeeper doing here? Uh, you gotta come out there, my man. That's your box. How much further in your own goal do you wanna be? It's a slam dunk. Charlotte looking to hold on, 111th minute. Raheem Summersaw gonna hammer the shot off the crossbar. No, no, it's an own goal and Austin packed the goalie. Yeah, okay, it's unfortunate for the goalkeeper, but if you're a defender, you cannot let the nine, you cannot let the big man hold you up like this. Juggle the ball and then lay it off to somebody at the top of the box, anybody. Oh no, you just, you feel for the goalie there. No, you don't. You, feel, you don't deserve to end up on the score sheet for an own goal off of that. We go to penalties. Brooks Thompson. The goalie here for North Carolina, and this hurt is a big save. Oh. <laughs> if I was a goalkeeper and I wanted to make a save, I don't just want to block it. I want to make sure it hits the post and be more dramatic. Luis Arriaga. How's oh, that for dramatic for you? Converts, and North Carolina are your USL League One champions as they win in a penalty shootout. They're getting promoted, baby. Not yet. Someday. Uh. Someday. Uh, USL Eastern Conference Final. Louisville City against Charleston Battery. Rodriguez here with a golazo in the fifth minute to put Charleston up at home. No, 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 no. That's a ridiculous golazo. Look at that. Goalkeeper, why is he diving? The disrespect on a beautiful free kick. You don't dive, you just let it go in. Admire it, please. Charleston with a 1-0 lead into the second half. And that's when we'd have ourselves a penalty shout. Herc, did they get it right? Yeah, I mean, you don't want to leave your feet here. There's no need. He's going away from goal towards a corner. You give a penalty kick, and look, just like that. Williams with the finish. And it's 2-0 in that point. Louisville City would get a goal late, but the Charleston Battery advance to the USL final. Who would they get? The winner of the Western Conference final between Sacramento Republic and Phoenix Rising. Herc, how about this golazo in the 31st minute? Ciceroni. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's great buildup, but you thought that they were going to be bailed out by the bad touch and the center back being there. Watch this. The moment he turns like this, you're facing up and nutmegs the center back and just beats the goalkeeper. Sacramento, who was your pick to win the Western Conference, up 1-0 late, 10 minutes from time. Phoenix finds their equalizer. It's an own goal. This is so unfortunate because this is a, a big paw from the goalkeeper. It hits it right into his own teammate for the own goal. 1-1 in stoppage time. We know Phoenix have been 
masters of the dramatic throughout this postseason. They're gonna do it again here. Coyo from distance. This is very similar to the goal Phoenix scores against Orange County SC in Orange County to win the game. Lots of pace straight at the goalkeeper. Goalkeeper just makes a meal of it, yeah. Yeah, but look right there. Everybody running away, nobody steps up. Lots of movement, corkscrew action. And Cuello, he'll take that. Phoenix Rising go on the road and get the win. They are through to the USL road Warriors. Championship Final. Charleston Battery against Phoenix Rising. Sunday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific on ESPN2. And before we get out of here, one more thing from the USL. This is from USL Super League, the soon-to-be-launched top flight of women's football. We've got a couple teams, Herc, that have released not their uniforms, but their crests and their identities. Let's start with this one, Tampa Bay Sun Football Club. What do you think? It looks like a logo of like a resort in Indio, California. Oh, okay. That sounds oddly specific. Is that some place you've actually been? Uh, no, Indio, yeah, but not like, you know, yeah, I could see it. You don't like this? I like it. I'm going to give it a drink. Yeah. It looks like a tile in, in the bathroom somewhere. I like okay. it. I like it. Okay. Tampa Bay, great area down there. You know I got married in Sarasota. You were there. <laughs> I got a lot of love for the uh, Tampa Bay area. <laughs> Plus Christina Uncle, our uh, that, colleague. Uh, at some point here. Is that a Tommy Boy reference? You were there. You were there. You were there. <laughs> All right, here's another of the USL Super League teams. Spokane Zephyr FC. Herc? Oh, what do you think? Vance of her Hello? Like, what do you want me to say? I like that there's a team in Spokane. I, I, I've been to Spokane in okay. the Washington area. It, it's yeah, which area. resort does this remind you of? Oh, it looks like Vance Refrigeration. Some of them like the office here. I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's got a Z. Yes, it does. Good work there. <laughs> it doesn't move me. It doesn't All right, we're giving it a trip in then. I think I, it doesn't move him, says Herc. So Spokane's Did you Zephyr. like that one? It's a trip in. No, I like, the, I like the Tampa Bay one more. I All like right. the Tampa Bay one more. This one reminded me of Zenit St. Petersburg a little bit. Does it really? Yeah, with a Z there. It's the only thing I could uh, come up with. All right, so that'll do it for this edition of Football Americas. Episode 299 is in the books. What yeah. a very uh, special show for us to be in studio together. We won't be together on Thursday. I'll be in San Diego with uh, Jeff Kasuf and many others ahead of the NWSL Championship game that we'll be previewing. You will be en route to Miami ahead of the ESPN Deportes 20-year celebration. Brent, how about this special guest we're working on for Thursday's show? Ooh. Ballon d'Or winner, Aitana Bonatti. On top of all of the NWSL Championship preview action that you can handle. He's Herc. I'm Seb. Thanks for watching. We'll see you Thursday for number 300. Are you a taller? Yeah, just a little bit.